You know, I always joke, if anybody know me, they'd be like, Keith looks like she having twins. And I was like, I want a boy and a girl. And I used to be so afraid to have one because they were killing black men and black boys at a rapid rate. And I'm like, man, now I'm afraid to have a daughter. Because <laughs> I don't want to, you know, when we start, when we come out the womb and we start wham wham, we sign our death certificate then. Because just as soon as you breathe, you got to die. But to think about the fact that my life as a black, my black son's life, if I had a son, his life does not matter. Does not matter in this country that we fucking built. Mm -hmm. Think about yep. the fact that and my you know, daughter- we, we Mississippi folks, so we know when we talk about what we built, it built. tastes a little bit different from people that are up north and stuff. Yeah. We talk about what we built, that's fresh. That the most of us, you know, grandparents, aunties, we got people in our that is close for us. It's close. That's a whole other conversation we can go with. person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected one, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And as Muslims, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us to respect our women and to protect our women. And the only time a Muslim really gets real violent is when someone goes to molest his woman. We will kill you for our woman. I'm, I'm making it plain, yes. We will kill you for our woman. We believe that if the white man will do whatever is necessary to see that his woman gets respect and protection, then you and I will never be recognized as men until we stand up like men and place the same penalty over the head of anyone who puts his filthy hands out to put in the direction of our women. And we're always projecting what we don't like about ourselves onto others. And until we accept who we are and love whatever we are, flaws and all, we're gonna always be projecting some other thing. Oh, I don't like that you did this or I don't like that you're doing that. And I think that's so unfortunate, especially for women. Because when I think about like, um, I want to segue into September 23rd. Um, we got the ruling. And like for the life of me that day, all I could think about was, am I registered to vote? That's all I could think about was like, am I registered to vote? And I was like, I know I turned my paperwork in. I know I turned my paperwork in, but I can't find myself in the system. <laughs> so I started calling. I started calling around because I'm like, I need to find out why it's not showing that I'm registered because I got to vote, <laughs> you know? And it's like, a dog's life is more important than mine. The wall is more important than a black woman. The wall. The wall. The fucking wall, the wall. is more important than the black woman. I was like, you know, it's it's so baffling to me that this uh, 
supposed black man can stand up and first start off by saying, you know, I'm a black man, da 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 da, you know, celebrities are making this more than what, no, baby, they're not. People are looking at the hardcore facts. This woman was murdered, whether she stood up in her house, whatever the hell she did, whether her husband or boyfriend, I'm sorry, fired back a warning shot, everything that was done, like, like Chris Rock said the other day on The Breakfast Club, everybody that's involved in this, from the judge that signed the no-knock warrants, all of, that, all of them should be on trial because this was complete foolishness. But to see that, I, I want to give a shout out to my uh, school principal, Chaz Culberson. That day, he called every African-American teacher that works for him and checked on us. And wow. he was like, well, I just want to make sure that you're That's okay, awesome. that, you know, like, that you're not having a bad day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to let it all out on my podcast. <laughs> you know, I was like... <laughs> I'm going, yeah, but shout out to, shout out to Mr. Colbison. That's, uh, that's empathy and that's leadership as well. That's, that's what being woke is. <laughs> yeah. Cause like you, you understand that as a woman, I now have to reconcile that a freaking dog and a wall are supposedly more important than me. Now I'm already reconciling all this other shit. Like, oh, okay. I'm an angry black woman. If I tell you how I feel and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm an angry black woman if I tell you how I feel and I don't back down from it. I'm an angry black woman if I just if I have resting bitch face, or uh, she's too she's too uh, independent. She's too this. She's too that. I already have to deal with all of this. Now you want to publicly tell me that as an African American female, I have to be scared that if the police come and knock on my door, that X Y and Z is happening, and this is all because of supposedly some form of relationship that I had. So the police didn't do their due diligence and go and make sure that I was still dealing with X, Y, and Z individual. They didn't do that, right? They just went ahead and was like, you know what, we're gonna get this criminal. This is what we're gonna do, you know? And it's, to me, it's just so, it's and just so disheartening. around and did to me like y'all do everything else, blame me for the state of everything that happens because at the end of the day- It's my fault. Yeah, it's my, it's every L in America ultimately gets blamed on black women. You know, we are the reason that the family in the way it is. You know, the mm-hmm. bitter baby mama. What is the mm-hmm. image that people have? It's black women. And, you know, and the thing about it is, yeah, there's this unspoken rubric. You know, it's got things in the rubric that put you on the scale, like skin color, tone, eyes, hair, texture. All those things kind of add up and give you a score and a placement on the rubric. But for yeah. the most part, is you know, that, that you know, we... The darker you are, the coarser the hair, the angrier you are, then you got weight that deals into it. It's so much. It's so much in there. So and much. It's, not, it's so much. And so we know, we intimately are aware of this and know it because if you've been in school, Black in America, if you have spent a good five of your formative years in school, you are going to understand this. You're going to you, you're gonna learn it and understand it. And you choose whether or not you're going to try to appropriate out of it and coon and do all that other stuff like a lot of yeah, people yeah, yeah. Decide, you know um or you decide whether you know you're gonna deal with that and and i think one of the biggest things with that ruling um again is not that we didn't know this stuff goes on it's that now that others are seeing it their reactions and their lack of reactions to it are bringing all of it from we're facing when you can it's one thing when you don't know what happened to my cousin you know because it wasn't on tape it's not national news and all of that it's a whole nother mm-hmm. thing when you see george floyd and you're not really sure if you know the cop was doing his job or not and you want to see the tape in advance 
you want to know uh, why was she dating a well why was her former boyfriend a drug dealer wasn't he a drug dealer you know like okay you know as it, you know and we're not even gonna talk about how you know we want black women to when it comes to relationships you want us to not be too hard because ain't no man gonna want you that's why he don't want you because you got an attitude now so mm-hmm. you want me to be pliable but you also don't want me to fall in love quick and respond to men the way that a woman is designed to. So if he's spitting game to me, I gotta be hard enough, I gotta be soft enough to respond to the game, but hard and smart enough to know if he's spitting the game. So I gotta like open my heart and protect it all at the same time. Then if I, and then keep your legs closed, but open them up, cause what you wanna do, another woman will. It's like, wait a minute, which one, what is he gonna do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed, what am I supposed to do? To do? Yeah. Yeah, how Just can I, you want me to be submissive? You want me to be hard. You want me to do all these things. But then, and it's like, okay, I got to do everything. And and then all of it is supposed to be my place and what a woman is supposed to do. Like, what? what? It, this is, this is just, this is, at this point, it's like, okay, at some point you got to acknowledge that y'all just blaming us now. <laughs> just some I mean, of this don't even make sense. Yeah, you know, like I went, I think back to like when you were talking about like women are told go to school, do this, do that. This is the right way, and I'm saying to myself like this girl, this young lady had just she was an EMT, she was going to school for X, Y, and Z. She had just gotten herself a new car, like she was building herself up, she was living her dream, and she was she got the because- right man. See, that's the other thing too. Remember, y'all told her, you know, oh, leave a man alone if he ain't doing this. So she went, she left the man alone. She went and got the right man. So she, you know, like I'm. I'm confused. Like, what is it? What she's supposed to do? Why is it her fault that she's dead? Exactly. And to think that, and I, one of the biggest things that I, I wanted to bring up and that played in my mind, because you know we always we always talk about reparations, and I don't I don't want to dig deep into reparations, but we always talk about that. And I remember the first ruling that came out was that Louisville decided to give her uh, they ruled they were going to give her mom twelve million dollars. All right, and I saw so many people like, oh my God, she's taking the money, da, da, da. And I was like, no, this is a separate case. Like, pay attention. It's a separate thing. Louisville decided that they were going to give 12 million this case. And that was only, <laughs> if you think about it, that was only to get people to talking so it could distract them from the fact that they was getting rid of the rule the way that they were getting rid of the rules. That's it. That was the only reason they did that because the mom came on after the, the judge said, you know, we're going to give X, Y, and Z. And she was like, no, we're still fighting for my baby, da, da, da. And I think sometimes people think that money for black people, money is going to solve everything. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, and if if I were her mom and her family, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to give me another set of lawyers. We're going to fight this case another way. <laughs> we're going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to utilize this 12 million to keep that going, even though we know when she does get that 12 million, it's not going to be the whole 12 million because you still got to pay those taxes and do X, Y, and Z. You got court costs. And you still going to have people praying on them at this point now and they're paying. You're going to have them, they're in the middle of a community that's barren. So now you put, you know, you got, they got a whole nother thing to, to deal with, like Philando Castile's, uh, you know, girlfriend. It's that same kind of thing. And, and my thing about the 12 million was um, both. First of all, there needs to be precedent set that these payouts are done and they're done quickly because it shouldn't be somebody died 12 years ago and the city made a settlement seven years ago and now y'all still tied up in court about it. And mm-hmm. the person's kids are now going off to college that was killed. They're going back and forth about whether or not how they're going to pay out a wrongful death, you know, or whatever it is. So it, need, it needs to be that should have been done quickly. Um, I, my thing is why can't it be both? 
and my yeah. and the other issue is how come we don't it's still unequitable when you think about the the white lady that was killed by the uh the muslim cop who was arrested the black muslim cop who was arrested i believe in florida i have to look up his name um and her family was awarded 20 million she actually had approached the police car and um you know and he shot her and then he was convicted though as well so yeah. it's still inequitable and she got her family got 20 million so i mean that's the scary thing to think that you know again like it is i don't want to make us sound like any smaller but think about it for this white woman you gave 20 million dollars a black woman and a conviction and a conviction black woman you give the money first so that you know that you're not going to convict anybody you only pick one guy to screw over and you screw him over in a way where he can probably get out within a couple of months or probation. he gonna get you, you know what i'm saying it's something really small you take away his job but he's gonna soon be fine yeah. she is dead her boyfriend is dealing with whatever you know he might be feeling like shit if i wouldn't have shot the gun serious you know like what would have happened like ptsd yeah, exactly. And just thinking about like, I was, I used to be afraid to have a son. You know, I always joke, if anybody know me, they'd be like, Keith looks like she having twins. And I was like, I want a boy and a girl. And I used to be so afraid to have one because they were killing black men and black boys at a rapid rate. And I'm like, man, now I'm afraid to have a daughter. <laughs> Cause I don't want to, you know, when we start, when we come out the womb and we start wham wham, we sign our death certificate then. Cause just as soon as you breathe, you gotta die. But to think about the fact that my life as a black, my black son's life, if I had a son, his life does not matter. Does not matter in this country that we fucking built. Mm -hmm. Think about the fact that my daughter- We we Mississippi folk. So we know when we talk about what we built, it's a little bit different from people that are up north and stuff. Yeah, we talk about what we built, babe, that's fresh. The most of us, you know, grandparents, aunties, we got people in our that it's close for us. It's close. That's a whole nother conversation we can go with. That's a whole nother podcast because that's close for us. So yeah. Yeah. But think about all that and it's like I'm so I wanna be a parent, but I'm so afraid. Like I my nephew started driving uh this past year. He has a car and where he where we live in Mississippi, um, sometimes the black kids are harassed by the white police in the in the DeSoto County area. So I started like calling him, saying, "Hey, make sure you do X, Y, and Z. Don't do this. Don't go this way. Go this other way, because you know the police be over here. Because you don't want them to do something to them. You're afraid for them all the time. And now as a woman, I'm more afraid for myself because I'm like, shit. Like <laughs> they don't they don't, they don't you get nowhere." Like it's, it's nothing that you and can the do. Grant was down the street, and um, the cops stopped me at my home about uh, five houses down from my house. Right after she was killed, about two weeks after she was killed, um, cop pulls me over at the stop sign. Now you know he right there. I'm ten and two now, but he pulls me mm-hmm. over, says it's a rolling stop, and I start to argue with him. And when he starts to cuss at me, the first thing in my head is be quiet, Sandra Blanton, because what's the difference between her and me? She hot. It's Texas. I'm hot too. I'm hot. I got no her attitude when she got pulled over was no different than mine is if I get pulled over in the heat. But I checked it and said, you know what? At this, I, I don't have time. You know, it, 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 what everything he's saying is a threat right now. He's talking about this. We not arguing and holding court on the side of the road. You know what? You're right. I'm gonna be quiet. Let me just take this ticket, this fake ticket that you gave me, 
and and I'm gonna be quiet. You're right it's, though. It's so it's it's so scary because you again when you go back to you know the stuff that we talked about before. As women, we have to carry these, you know, I, I always tell my friends, you know, you got to think about your cross and you got to bear how Jesus buried here when he walked up the hill. I'm like, shit, think about what women got to bear. Like, we bearing it all, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Family secrets, family problems, man problems, friend problems, your problems, whatever it is. You got all these crosses on your back and you're consistently going up the mountain while everybody is throwing stuff in your face. It's a black man throwing this in your face. The white man throwing this in your face. The white woman. The black Another women throwing something in your face. Some of the ones that ain't happy. The gatekeepers are throwing stuff in your face. And, white it's all because, and I feel like it's all because we're just not, just like I said earlier, I have been, 2020 hasn't been a horrific year for me the way it has been for other people. Like I've been able to, I was in Mississippi. I, I went to Mississippi to do something. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Tashina Gallimore, her mom passed away. And I went home to support my friend because her mom had passed away. And I was supposed to be there for three days. I was there for three weeks. And I was like, this is everything. This is such a blessing for me because I was supposed to be home for three days and then go back. But because I'm online teaching, I can sit at the house with my nieces and nephews and my mom and see my siblings and all that. And it was a blessing for me. I, I haven't been... I'm not struggling financially. I'm not, my, my house is okay. You know, I haven't, there, and there are so many people that are outside of that bubble that I, I've been sad for, been praying for. But I feel like if we recognize what it is that we have, how we've gotten it, and like, think about where we want to be, we could be so much better. We wouldn't be saying, fuck 2020. That's right. You know, we, we wouldn't be saying it consistently because there are people, people die every day. It's not, it's not just like people just started dying now in 2020. Yeah, they do. They die every day. And I think that things have been, become so much more amplified just, just for everybody, but especially for black culture. And I appreciate like the, um, allies that we have sometimes, but I don't mind educating. (laughs) I had to delete a couple of people because, uh, back when George Floyd was murdered, I had this young lady. We had been friends for years. We worked together, white young lady. And I used to always tell my other friends, like, they they act blacker than we act sometimes. <laughs> and she has a daughter and she has a son. So, you know, the riots kicked off and she made a statement. I cannot remember for the life of me what she said, but whatever it was, it had pissed me off. But I was like, Akila, you need to educate her because you know what type of person she used to be. You don't really know her now. You see her playing on Facebook with her son, da, 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 whatever, and her daughter. So educate her. So I said, hey, Sarah. I see you sort of have a misunderstanding about what's happening. Give me a call. She didn't call me. Then a couple of days later, something else happened. And she got on there and she was like, and these riots, they just doing this, then a third. Black people need to sit down. This is not the way. Martin Luther King wouldn't have done this. And I just, <laughs> oh, like I couldn't take it. I said, you keep talking about Bloody Sunday. You want to talk about him walking on the, that's the picture you want to paint. You want to paint the picture of him walking down them all in arms, but show the goddamn picture afterwards yeah. when they beat, when they're bloody, when the dogs are biting them, when they're spraying them with water. Show that he was the like, number one enemy of the state on the FBI's on the list when they when you when people when your grandparents wanted him dead when they were saying about him the same things they said about Barack Obama, same things they said about a lot of people now. Uh, yeah, they they just remember that because you know death has a way of making people all humans clean it up when somebody died. Mm-mm. Nah, mm-hmm. keep, keep the, remember the energy. That's and what I thought about. I was like, you, you can't, 
I said, you can't be this crazy to think. I said, riots are the what? What do they go back and look? You want to talk about King? Yeah. You, you want to bring kings up? Like riot is the that's the that's the sound of the people not being heard. So they have to riot. We need you to hear us, right? And she was like, but oh, da da da, and woo woo. So I checked her again. I said, you know what, baby? At this particular point, like you you seem not to understand. Your white son has a better chance at living and being happy than my black nephew. That's right. And you're not, you're not getting it. And one of my, um, I call her my uh, mom. She's a white lady, super sweet. Uh, she came on there and she got it together like none other. Uh, shout out to Joan Duffel. She told her, you know, like this but is what even you that, Akiva, the very fact that a lot of white people will not listen or heed unless mm-hmm. another white person says it, that alone is evidence of the bias and the supremacy. And I've been thankful in this season, I'm a consultant, so I end up working in lots of different companies and the company mm-hmm. I'm working in now, I've just really been blessed with 2020 because with this role, the people I'm surrounded with that actually becoming my friends now are very open-minded, very mm-hmm. honest about what they're ignorant of and very mm-hmm. um, you know, everybody wants to have these discussions and, and learn. And I've always been that person that be like the one that people call the black friend. You know, that you want to ask the questions to. So, um, and I don't have a problem with that. I know I don't expect everybody to be able to handle that. You shouldn't have to, but for in yeah. my circle, that, that does happen. And, um, but but that, that discussion, we had a very similar discussion about just the, the fact that when, that it, that the fact that, um, a lot of white people will actually acquiesce to another white person's POV, even though they're saying the same yeah. thing. Whereas with, with, if I say it, there's anger, there's irritation, you're bullying the race car, you this, you that. But then when someone else comes and you respect that, kind of same way men do women, you know, you go take your car somewhere and if you, if, you know, you can argue with the mechanic all day, he gonna tell you this, that, and the third. But if your brother, your daddy, your husband or someone is there, He's not having those same conversations with the same mm-hmm. energy that he does. That that's evidence of misogyny. Same evidence of the racism. Same, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it Absolutely. was, you know, I I, I have just appreciated Miss Jones for coming on and just that's awesome. echoing, you know, just echoing what I was saying because I was like, while I, I felt what you were saying, I was like, she, I need her to get it. Yeah. I need her to understand what I'm saying before I delete her ass because I'm finna delete this motherfucker. That's what I need you to understand. Like, I'm finna delete you, because obviously you ignorant, and yeah. I don't need no ignorance on my timeline. But I did my due diligence in trying to educate you and support you and help you. You're choosing to keep the blinders on your eyes. So I think that's, <clears throat> like, you having those conversations and being that friend. And, like, I, I, I can think back to now. Sometimes we assimilate or do different things because of the situations that we were in. But I was I could never be that way. And I can remember being the only black girl in marketing at the casino. And I was looked at so differently because I was the only black girl. But I happened to be the only black girl because I did one thing. I went to the VP of marketing and I told her, I said, hey, I just graduated with a degree in English literature. I got to do something more than work in this box office. I didn't come, I didn't get a, a degree to come back here and make 950. <laughs> Yeah. That's not what I do. That's not what I did. I didn't do this for that. And at the time, the she was an Italian uh, VP. I can't, uh, Monica O'Connor. Uh, she listened to me and she started sending other people my way, saying, "Go check Akila out. See if she, see if she's real. See X, Y, and Z." And when I got to those positions, I didn't treat people any different. 
If you worked in the kitchen, we were still cool when I was working behind the box office. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm not gonna treat you any different. I'm not gonna be any disrespectful. If you're black, white, orange, or yellow, I'm still gonna talk to you the same. You piss me off, you get cussed out the same. Well, orange person get cussed out, it's no different. <laughs> you gonna get it. <laughs> you're gonna get it. And I feel like sometimes, we begin to assimilate and do these different things and not realizing that, oh, I'm changing because of this. But I, I made sure that I did not change because I didn't. I remembered how it felt when I moved to Mississippi and I was treated differently and I was confused about how I was treated because I came from Chicago where I had a white babysitter and a Haitian best friend. And I didn't understand why the black girls in the classroom didn't like me. Yeah. I didn't understand why they had a problem with me speaking fast or because my mom had my curly hair up in two ponytails while they thought it was short and they wanted to pick on me because of that. Yep. Or because my mom dressed me a certain way and they yep. didn't wear those clothes, so that was the problem. Yep, yep. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand the teacher pitting the skinny girls against the heavyset girls. Like, I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't get that. Oh, yep. only the skinny girls can be the cheerleaders. You're not yep. decided to be a cheerleader. I didn't get that. Like, it, it, it didn't resonate with me. And just thinking about all of that makes me think about... Uh, all the things that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought for for women, yeah, like how she, yeah, he fought for our place. And what right now, I'm just so angry with the little orange guy because he wants to put a woman in the space, and he just, you know, and it's it's like you you you're trash, so you want to bring trash, you just want yeah. trash everywhere. <laughs> and it's like you know you you know what, and Mitch McConnell, yes. Oh God, like you just, <laughs> if I had the time to, oh, like on November 3rd, I'm voting early in Texas. And then on November 3rd, I'm going to be riding around, asking people they need to ride to the, to, you know, to vote. Awesome. I, I need you to vote because people like those, we need out of office. We need them gone. But what do you think about like um, her legacy and then like the, the ignorance that is happening behind, like, I don't even think she's in a grave yet. I know they've had services, ceremonies for her, but I don't think she's been buried yet. <laughs> but, yeah. this, you know, you're gonna put X, Y, and Z in spots and all of this stuff. What do you think about that? Well, I, you know, one thing is that um, I think people have to keep in mind context. And I think, um, I'm trying to see if I can make this concise. You know, something I used to hate when my uncle would tell me this, um, my people from Mississippi, and my uncle would tell us, Baby, you can't get black folks can't do nothing without good white folks. You need good white folks. And I used to hate him saying that, like, what you don't need no good. You know, I hated that. But what he was saying and what he would expound upon is that things were the way that they were. And so, yes, you may, they may, it would have been wonderful for them to, you know. If they could have, you know, said, oh, well, white people should make us equal. They should do this. They should do that. But in the context of 1972, if a white person went to bat and hired five of y'all at Packard Electric, that was major. Even if they didn't change anything else. And so when I say in come because of in the context of where the city of Jackson was, where the state of Mississippi was, there were certain things. So with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, was she perfect? No. But you have to think about the context of where the United States has come from. I think there's a generation of people that have forgotten that many of us, first of all, many of our grandparents and just aunts and uncles would never, ever have believed that there would ever be a black president, ever. As a child, I did not believe it. When Barack Obama was running, 
I did not believe it was possible. When he got on that stage that first inauguration, inauguration night, I was scared that he was going to be murdered, him and his family. Thanks. When I Thanks. watched the inauguration parade, it was very scary because I was like, they didn't got out this car. If they don't get back in this car, somebody gonna snipe them. You know? JFK. <laughs> yeah, I thought we was gonna see a JFK with Barack and Michelle and their family because of the state of this country. So you have to think about Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a justice in the face of this type of energy. And I think with everything that she did, we gotta understand, is she, is she a, a demigod? Was she perfect? No. But she did what a whole lot, she did what it was designed for her not to do. Half mm -hmm. of us, <clears throat> excuse me, half of us, it's tough if we the only person at the job that likes something or somebody going against us as a child. Can you imagine being in positions where entire, almost all your colleagues are totally against, against you? That. And what you got is actually right. They totally against it. Not only them, but everything attached to them. I mean, and you got to dig your heels in anyway and be doing that as a woman. Cause you know, the first thing they called her was a bitch. That's what any woman that, that doesn't sway is called. That's the default, you know, uh, whether she's really one or not. So now I, I think that her accomplishments were amazingly significant. I think that un, she, just like Barack Obama and anyone else, no one's gonna have a perfect utopian track record because we're fighting against actual real life mindsets, actual real life ways and systems that are in place. And you, you spend a whole lot of time on social media, you'll forget that stuff is actually structural and real. You'll, mm -hmm. You can be talking to social media and you'll forget that if you just go out here in the Pearland area and you do a demographic survey, like what we did with um, NAACP and stuff, that you'll start seeing the redlining and things are still in place through lending products through neighborhood demographics. A lot of the neighborhoods around here, you got things like, you know, I mean, I'll be going off into a tangent, you know, but I'm just saying, we, mm -hmm. you'll see that a lot of these things are still still in place, that there's inequities that are structural in here, mm -hmm. you know, these, and, and so for her to do what she did in the face of, with the Supreme Court appointment being a lifetime appointment, um, it's significant. It's very significant. The reason there are so many black men and brown men who don't make it out of high school without being a part of the criminal justice system in some form or who don't make it to the age of 40 without having been a part of the criminal justice system is directly tied into those justices that sit up there. Yeah. Those laws, those mindsets, they set the tone. And then it follows suit in those lower circuit uh, courts and things. So, uh, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think she did what she came to do and what she could do. And she yeah. did it well in, in, in spite of. And um, man, I think the accomplishments that, um, you know, that she stood for, and even so, especially in the way, in you know, a lot of the equal rights. I mean, it's important mm -hmm. that she did a lot with, um, with uh, gay rights as well, what she stood for there. That's important because it impacts us as well. It impacts yeah. us. Exactly. I just, uh, again, like thinking about the little orange fella. Um, 
when she first got sick, like when they first announced it uh, a few months back, when they were saying she was sick again, I was like, Lord, please let, let her make it until after election. Like, we don't need him to have another something that he can screw up because he does not mind going around and effing up everything possible. He really does that. He does not mind it at all. Like, he, he is really out here acting like the president, like he is on uh, The Apprentice. That's really what he's out here doing. Like, this is a TV show and he's out he's here just- taking hand embarrassment. He, he's the pity of it. Oh my God. Like, I've never seen anything like this. But when I, when I saw that, when I saw she got sick, I was like, Lord, let her make it until then. Not not in a, I guess you would say that's in a selfish way. Yeah. But just thinking about like what she, the place that she holds, the place, well, the place that she held, and thinking about like if he does get one more person in. And mm-hmm. then also thinking about like now, if you think about it, when Obama, when this happened during Obama's time, they, oh no, we can't do this. It's almost time for another election. We're gonna stop it and immediately. Like she was but dead for me. Expediting. Yep. She was yeah. dead about two hours and they like, oh, we're gonna do this, da da da. Wait a minute. So when a black man did it, it was like, no, that's not right. But now you got this guy in the office and it's just like, again, that black and white thing, like showing, showing this, and it's it's so crazy that of uh, that white people like you you're not woke to the fact that this is the fuck shit that y'all That's do <laughs> and you know one shit. of my fears i think has always been like okay i think as a black person i you know growing up around predominantly white people in texas and and mississippi there was mm-hmm. a time in my life i had various points where i realized that you can't do what they do kind of thing right and that this might be how they are gonna be and just embracing that is very difficult to do i've always fought against that you know uh, my my mom them growing up they would be like well you know you know how white folks are now you need to think about this because you know how they do and i used to say oh they're not open-minded they're not this and not that got into the workforce and realized sadly that a lot of what my elders had told me was that the things I thought with them were giving up and were hopeless actually realized that those were wisdom. Mm-hmm. That they, they weren't hopeless. They was just wise. They knew it is what it is. And so I think my biggest thing with um, what I was afraid of with her passing in my selfishness was that trying to avoid seeing that is what it is. Because I know she passes. Oh, they're going to jump on it right away who they want in there and then we're going to be stuck and no one's going to care and it will be marked in the history books and we are not as good of a country as we think we are same thing it was when donald trump was elected my fear was Mm -hmm. well we're not going to choose him because that's not who we are we're better than this and then it's like deep down you're afraid because you like we may not be better than this but we gonna hope and change then to realize that we weren't better than that. I, I I was I didn't know how to reconcile it because I think I had gotten my hope up to a certain place. Yeah. So then when I realized we weren't better than that, and then I felt like that kind of that kind of that thing that is what it is wisdom sink in, mm-hmm. it, it hit me different. And I think that's what I was afraid of with you know with Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg and not and you know the black and white issue as far as racism but also as a woman being second class, you know, she fought heavily for reproductive rights 
of, yes. of women. You know, it doesn't make sense that people, a person who's never had to fashion a maxi pad out of toilet paper at school um, is making rules and laws, you know. People about who- About my, my vagina, again. About my vagina and my uterus. A person who doesn't, when you get home, you actually take off your shoes first. <laughs> you know, uh, you don't, you know, yeah, come on. The take first thing we take off, it ain't, come on. It ain't that. It ain't but you, yeah, we, you don't, you don't have girls that you let free when you get home. Then, um, you know, so, but you're making decisions about what we do with our girls and you don't have any. So I think that, you know, that thing that I didn't want to see that I was hoping we were more woke than the institutions and the policies and the systems we put in place. Mm -hmm. I was hoping that the game we talked was going to show. And so what they're doing now, um, which unfortunately looks like old white men doing what old white men of America have traditionally done, which is having their way and their say, even though they're too old to even enjoy the fruit of whatever they're implementing. You know, mm-hmm. it's all of, it's all about some type of legacy or something. Um, I'm struggling with that right now. I'm struggling yeah. with what's going on. And and frankly, to be honest, I've avoided it the last two or three days because it's been overwhelming for me to go, you know what? I, it's been one of those things that I'm like right now, the last two, three days since Friday, I like, let me protect my peeps this weekend because, um, what I'm seeing from neighbors, from colleagues, from people I went to school with, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's nasty to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nasty. like when when Mr. Coberson called me that day. Just thinking back to like that day, um, I had like I said, I started looking for my voter registration card because I had to find something to get my mind off of what had just happened. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, that, that's the craziest thing. You immediately go to looking for that because you don't want to, you, how do you reconcile that your life isn't as important as a dog or as the wall? Or how do you reconcile, like, it is, I gotta be like, it is what it is. They, this is what they do. This is their country. This Which is, is crazy. So we ain't, that's crazy to even think like that. That's yeah. not functional. So, but we supposed to be normal. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be normal and we're supposed to be able to keep up with that. And it's like, like, how do you expect me to, to do that? And it's like doing those things. Like, I'm a, I gotta keep my peace. I gotta do something. But it's, I, I guess what I was doing then was like finding a way like, okay, Akila, you can't be down about this. You know what they're gonna do. So what can you do to yeah. do your part? Cause I'm not gonna be, well, I won't say that. I know when they when they first did the protest, I didn't want to go out because I was so scared to catch COVID and you know and yeah. bad ankle, different stuff or whatever. But I'm like, I gotta find my way to protest. I gotta find the thing that I want to do. And I know that I've been doing voter registration drives all summer, and then like yeah. now trying to make sure like, am I registered? Like, <laughs> I don't know why I was just like, am I registered? Like, but like making sure of that. But I think that as we push forward. And as the year closes, because 2020 has been such a banger that we got we gotta know that it's gonna go out with a bang one way or another. It's gonna go out with a bang. <laughs> you know, one way or bang, another. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang. 
and probably gonna be right here looking like uh, what that's that one little Uzi. What was his name? I don't know, but I love that little that little jingle thing. God, what is that? Oh, dude? Um, oh, the he the one that pressed his hair into the bob. Yeah, what is his name? Oh my god, I don't know. It is it is it Lil Yachty? It wasn't Lil Yachty. That's him. That's what it is, Lil Yachty. It's gonna be like, yeah. like a little yachty in a year. Yeah. Gonna be like, whatever. Like, can I get with? Oh, I can't yeah. get with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I got one more thing before we close out. So I saw this meme on Facebook and it says, I wanna see black women happy and being spoiled and giving the spaces to be soft and taken care of. We deserve all of that. So for me, <laughs> growing up, I saw my mom toughing it out. Like she had to do so much with eight kids. Um, and even though she did have a piece of a man, it wasn't enough of a man to do the things that was needed. So I was always like, I gotta be strong and independent. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And then this year, I began to, and I've been single for a while, but I've never, I've always been okay with being single. This year when I started doing stuff with my businesses and started like seeing different types of success, I was longing for this. Yeah. Like I wanna be soft. You know, I want to be at risk. I want to be taken care of. Um, in your in your relationship, because you are married, uh, you and your husband, I see, I like when you post y'all pictures, you know, see the happiness and like the success within your relationship. How has it been for, have you always been able to take rest? Have you always been able to be taken care of? Like how, how, how does that work in your relationship and what advice could you just give like single women with that? Well, I think um, one of the biggest things I think that um, for single women, I think is recognizing what it feels like if you weren't um, given that, meaning you got to define that for yourself. So like, I think one of the the privileges or luxury that I had was uh, being number 14 of a grand of grandchildren with all boys. Um, and I was the first girl. My father, my I was raised by my stepfather who spoiled me. I was raised, my, my biological father spoiled me. So I think um, my cousins would protect me. One of the reasons I'm very vocal is um, I was always that girl out there on the basketball court talking trash and couldn't nobody talk trash back because my cousins was gonna whoop your ass if you did. So it was never like, you know, um, I mean, even my younger boy cousins, it was never a, well, you gotta be in this place as a girl thing for me. And so I think that translated to a, a, a protection and me being able to be loud, boisterous, feminine, cry, laugh, cuss, all of that. And so I know what that feels like. So whenever in my relationship with my husband, I was able to recognize it. And that's what's comfortable for me and normal for me. And I think where um, in my years of helping women and talking to women and coaching women and stuff, what I have seen is that for a lot of women, if they don't have a point of reference, then they don't know how to even expect it or demand it. And they don't even know how to adjust it. You know, if it, if it is there, they don't know how to adjust it. So a lot of times women are trying to conform to an idea of something that they haven't even given themselves yet. You know, if you haven't given yourself that place to rest, that that um, that permission to be soft, that permission to be not to have it all together, if you don't give yourself that, it's going to be extremely difficult for anybody else to come in and give it. And I think that that's the first chief thing when it comes to self-care, especially for Black women, because we got to be 
twice as good, twice as hard. That's our way of navigating. And so I think the first thing is figuring out how you can give yourself that, how do I give myself permission to not get an A all the time? <laughs> to, it's okay if you pass, these get degrees too. So did you just pass that? <laughs> yeah, you know, if you squunch past the finish line on that project, or you scrunched past the finish line and maybe you said it was some things that you was gonna do, you didn't meet that financial goal, you did it's okay to not overachieve. And so, you know, once you can get into that place where it's okay to not overachieve, then I think that, that that is a huge thing for you. Now, a practical thing that I think is very important, and again, a luxury for me growing up around so many boys, that I see a lot of women, in my opinion, are missing homeboys. They ain't got no homeboys. You know, and the reason you need homeboys is because, you know, I always say it's like three types of female characters in a man's life. It's the the homegirl, the housewife, and the hoe, right? And so all three of those different women represent a different aspect of what a man looks for or need he gets met out of a woman. And I think one of the things that ends up missing for a lot of women is that they don't know how to be the homie. And they don't, and because they don't have homies, they don't get those inside things on what men think and how they are. And so they don't understand that and understand how to communicate them. We tell ourselves, well, if he doing all this, it must be this. And we really, we really be giving them a whole lot of credit. We think they think like us, they way more simple. Um, and, and so I think because of that, because women ain't got no homies, they stay in the wrong relationships too long. They overlook mm -hmm. the right ones. Because you ain't, they ain't got no homeboys, so they don't understand male speak, you know? So that's, that's yeah. what I think is a, um, is a good thing. And then as far as just in my, in my relationship with my husband, you know, I've been very, very fortunate. You know, my husband and I, I, my husband, I think he was raised by a single mom. And his father, they like abandoned, his father abandoned him when he was in his early teens. And so I think I looked up on a lot of those things he experienced growing up and those things that he said he wasn't gonna have, wasn't ever gonna do, you know. Um, and he's just been, he's been a really amazing man. We're really good friends. We have really good communication. We got a lot of sexual attraction that helps. <laughs> so <laughs> we're married 21 years at this point. And so, um, you know, we're able to talk to each other about everything and be honest about it. And we are able to argue. We are able to both be passionate, but end up bringing it where it needs to be in a respectful manner. We work really hard in our relationship to keep it that way. And so, um, girl, you know, that's a whole nother podcast. If you really want to get into relationships, I am passionate about that. And so, you know, he's somewhat of a feminist, you know, I would say. He probably wouldn't describe it like that, but he definitely is. Um, and he's really just been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And, and one of the things that hurts me the most is that I think my husband is so exceptional and he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be exceptional. There are more men should be like Thank that you. because it's the basics. Mm -hmm. My father was like that. Both my fathers, my stepfather, my father was like that. My husband's like that. It should not. I got some cousins like that. I got some cousins that ain't like that. It should not be <laughs> how they, how he thinks and behaves and carries himself should not be the exception amongst black men. 
just that not not intimidated by women it, it, it should be you know not feeling like you know you in a certain place to serve me you know those things um i'm really fortunate in that in that mm-hmm. area and so um but yeah well you girl we could really get into i i got a ton of advice i can give and a ton of things there's so many different aspects to it it's so hard to answer that question just in a in a couple of seconds but you know we work hard at our relationship we make sure that we stay close we got married young so we always have been very respectful of having boundaries and not acting like you know we ain't attractive you know what i'm saying it's like we we have protected the sanctity we were intentionally do that you know um I think a lot of people believe a whole lot of myths about relationships that ain't really, that ain't really real when you really get into it. You know, um, child, we got the passwords to the phones. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I was just on this thread the other day actually about these people talking about passwords to to, to phones, and um, I was kind of shocked that you know, kind of the mentality that people kind of have about that. And I'm like, so you share your vagina, but your, but the phones off limits? I'm confused. So I just, yes. Very. Yeah, I'm a little confused, but, you know, I would, you know, but yeah, so, you know, anyway, but, but yeah, we, you know, we got to pick this one back up, girl. This was good. So we got to, yeah, we got to dig in. I would love to come back and talk about relationships, girl. I would love to come back and talk about relationships. We need to set that up. But I, uh, to add my little tidbit, I'm not a married person, but just to add my tidbit to the, the meme, I think that we, again, it all comes back to being okay with who you are and like you said, giving yourself. I When I was younger, I did not give myself room to fail. If I failed, I beat myself up because I felt like I had to be tough. I had to be strong. I had to be that. Like that was what I had to be. And like the older I got <laughs> for my sanity, <laughs> I had to be okay with, oh, it's okay that you, you know, you screwed up a little bit here. It's okay that you don't like this. It's okay that you don't like that. And again, this year, when I say, like, I'm going to talk, I'm, uh, my my season finale is actually, somebody's going to come on and interview me. And I'm going to talk about what I mean when I say, like, the blinders were taken off. Like, when I say that, <laughs> when I say that I, with me reconciling so many different things and traumas from my childhood and like mm-hmm. thinking about like this well, this is why you didn't like this about yourself because this X, Y, and Z happened. Now you got to be okay with this or you know it wasn't your fault that this friendship didn't work out. This is how this person was. Look at the signs. The signs were always there. You kept it going or the person kept it going. You know like looking at all those things and reconciling those things once I began to let myself be okay with I always tell my students, like, um, mediocrity is an option. And sometimes you got to be okay with, you might be mediocre. It's okay. Like, you might be mediocre. And that's so right. fucking gay. Hey, I suck at that. You know, Miss Ma, spell this. Mm-mm, not a spelling be champ. Don't do that to me now. Don't, don't, do, that. don't do that. Can you add? Mm-mm. I teach English. Don't tell me to go add nothing up because I'm going to screw you up. Yeah, I'm, I, I taught English and I still, I don't get accept versus accept. I be tearing it up. <laughs> yeah, Two, you're you, hey. It is what it is. 
So yeah, just just give yourself the space. Like we all need to. What I'm learning in 2020 is that you gotta. If you haven't been living, you need to start living and give yourself the space to be like, oh, I fucked up today. I'll fix it tomorrow and keep it pushing. That's <laughs> yeah. And keep it pushing. And keep it pushing. Well, Nikki, I am so. I, I feel like this was a totally awesome um interview. I had so much fun. <laughs> I would love to have you back on. Uh, to Ashley talk about relationships you just tell me when if you want to be on season two you can come back on season two if you want to do relationships next week we can do relationships next week just let me know I'll do it girl I I will let you know because I'm yes yes I'm in I'm in so yes this was uh this was great for me we definitely have to to pick this back up and so I loved it I enjoyed it but yeah we gotta pick it back up because yeah (laughs) we got a lot to talk about Yes, ma'am. What we do at the end of the show, sometimes we always give like a little sass talk. And a sass talk is just a piece of advice that you want to share in a like sassy, snazzy way. So what advice would you like to give the virgins tonight? All right. So my sass talk for tonight is be you. Don't back down from who you are. Um, And no matter who it is. Now you can always be perfect. You can always perfect yourself and you can always go to the next level. But at the end of the day, the people that God put in your life need to accept you as is, how is it, whatever state that's in. Don't apologize for being you. Don't apologize for your journey on the way that you are. And uh, look for your tribe. Your tribe is going to be people that accept it and be people that love it and embrace it. I love your sass talk. I love your sass talk. And I'm going to tell you why I love your sass talk. I love your sass talk so much because my sass talk was simply going to be be yourself and find your tribe. (laughs) So you had already said exactly what what it is. Like be yourself and truly find your tribe. And give yourself space to fail. Like that's the Bible is full of failures. (laughs) <laughs> trial and error <laughs> you know real and error and error and error <laughs> you know what I'm saying and foolishness and all type of stuff is this there yeah so be okay with that and we again uh thank Nikki so much for taking the time out of her busy schedule to be on board with us and sharing so much wisdom and knowledge I hope that tonight we have blessed you all with something that, that I have uh, I have done something to gain your respect and honor your time. We are again so excited. I can't wait to have Nikki back on because this is so much fun. Okay. I will see you all in episode 29. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much, Virgin. Y'all have a great night. This was awesome. Have a good night. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good night. You too, Akila.